0: awesome is that? Incredible. So glad you guys are with us today. Also, I want to celebrate the families and the friends who came to watch your loved one get baptized. Give them a hand, too. Would you? Thank you for coming out. We're honored that you're here. We love that. I was having so much fun. This last Wednesday, I was at our Stone Oak campus in San Antonio, and they had a big worship night, and I got to go and share communion with everyone. It was a lot of fun. And at the end, I was out in the atrium just meeting people, and this mom and dad and their son came up to me. We started talking, and she said, Yeah, my son, Nico, wants to get baptized. I was like, that's great, Nico, I'm so happy for you. He looks like he's probably about 10 years old, you know, and we started talking. And I said, Nico, you know, the baptism is actually not what saves you. It's like my wedding ring doesn't make me married, but I put this on my finger after I committed to my wife. It's actually, it's actually a sign of your commitment that you've asked Jesus in your heart. And I looked at Nico and said, Nico, have you asked Jesus in your heart? And he says, no. I said, oh really? So then I turned to his mom and said, can I have this conversation? And the mom's already in tearing up. I was like, she's like, yes. so I was like well, Nico, let me explain this to you. God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for you. He rose again from the grave, proving that he's God. He just waits for you to accept him in your life, and, and, then, and you'll be saved. He'll be in your life forever at that point. You'll go to heaven one day. I explained the whole thing to him. I said, do you want to accept Christ? He said, yeah, I do. So right there in the atrium, I got, had the privilege of leading him to Christ. I asked a buddy of mine to go grab a Bible. So I could give it to him and write in the Bible. This is the day you accept the Christ as your Lord and Savior. Dated it, signed it, gave it to him. And someone happened to be there with the camera and caught this all on video. So check this out. Okay, so we're giving this own Bible where we signed and dated that it happened. Nico wants to do this right now. He's in your heart. That's right. Let's give it that for Nico. How cool is that? <laughs> that man? I'm so my have it for you. That's your so man, that's your gift. You're welcome. Thank you. I'm so honored to see you guys. That was going to happen. How cool is that when stuff just out of nowhere happens and God just moves? You know, such a great thing. But you know, getting baptized is such an important step in our faith. And and maybe you're the person here who says, "Well, okay, Pastor, I get it." But you know, I mean, I got saved years ago and I just haven't gotten around to it. So I mean, I'm kind of past that, right? Actually, there's no expiration date in Scripture on obeying God. And so I want to encourage you, whether you got got saved five minutes ago or 50 years ago, take the next step and get baptized. I've never heard anyone regret getting baptized. I've heard lots of people regret not doing it. So you know what, next service, get baptized. We'll give it up for those who got baptized today and those who are gonna still obey the Lord. It's a great thing, fired up about that. Today I'm excited to preach this message today because I believe this can truly change your life. I'm convinced that most of us are running our lives without a compelling vision, but God wants us to have a compelling vision for our lives. God is a big God. He does not put a small vision in anyone. This is what he says in scripture. Jeremiah 29:11 he says, "For I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future." So many people are depressed and down because they're hopeless because you don't see that there's a big future that God has for them. But I just wanna remind you that God does have a good plan for your life and he wants you to begin pursuing those things. So we're gonna unpack this today because a compelling vision can transform you personally as well as transform your family. So I'm glad that you guys are here to hear this simple but profound message. There's five things a vision does for you. The first thing is this, if you're taking notes, we're gonna dive right in, you guys ready? I'm rolling, man, I'm going. All right, here we go. The first thing a vision does for you is it provides purpose and direction. You know, you ever been purposeless, directionless, not really knowing what you do, just kind of aimless? You kind of float around life. I believe many adults and young people make mistakes because they're not shooting for a big shot, so they end up going for small shots, some, some, some dumb things they do instead. So either you're shooting for something big or you're probably doing something small that's really not important or even just and or hurtful to, to yourself. And so you got to be going for the big shots. It says in Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. When you have a big vision, it keeps you focused. When you don't have a big vision, anything can take away your focus. It's really true. When I was in a seminary, when I was, uh, we were living in Dallas at the time, my wife and I, and, uh, she was teaching school and I was going, going to school. I was going to seminary and, and I remember I would complain to my classmates so we, it, after class one day, we all went and got a breakfast taco. we were sitting around talking. And I remember saying, yeah, I just, I, I hate seminary. It's so lame and boring and blah, blah, blah. I was just complaining away. Then the next week I did it again. Except the next week, one of the guys that was sitting by me said, hey, you know what? If you don't like it, why don't you just quit? I was like, oh, wow. This guy like called me out. He goes, why are you here? I was like, wow, really, it really stung. I was like, man, and I realized he's right. I don't have to be here. Why am I doing this? It was a really good thing for me because it made me stop to realize I need this because if I'm going to be teaching people God's truth the rest of my life, I better know what I'm talking about. So it made me double down and get serious about school. And so I actually ended up graduating a lot faster because of that as well. And so I just want to encourage you that sometimes a simple question you've got to ask is this. Why are you here? Like, why are you, why are you here in this earth? Or about, why are you here in church? Why are you, what are you doing here? If you're complaining about like, oh, my spouse dragged me here and this and that. Well, is it part of your vision or not to be a spiritual person? To put God first, to, to, to have a marriage that's alive in Christ and to have a family that's centered on the Lord. If it's not your vision, then why are you here? Amen. We just have to make a decision. Are we here because we're called by God to be here and to do his will? And so I just wanna challenge you to, to, to be careful not to attach yourself to someone without purpose and direction. Be very careful. You know, I, I tell people when they say, man, you've got a great marriage. How'd you do that? I say, oh, great marriage is like good real estate. It's all in the purchase. You know what I mean? It really is like, you want to make sure you get that one right. You know, is the person you want to attach your life to centered on big dreams that God's given them? If not, they're wondering, they're floundering. You're going to attach yourself to someone floundering. You sure you want to do that? Just want to talk to singles for a second there. And if you're married, you know what? Get a direction, get a focus. If you will do that, God can do big things in your life. I'm so thankful that years ago, my wife and I, we would have these deep discussions about, and I would always ask her, and she used to roll her eyes and laugh at me when I'd say, but I was like, what is your dreams? What do you wanna do with your life? Because I was always focused on what are we gonna do? I want to make a difference with my life. This is not a dress rehearsal. This is your life, live it. We have to make a decision to say, I want a compelling vision for my life. I wanna challenge you to, to be consumed with this vision that God has for your life. It will provide you purpose and direction. Number two, when you have a clear vision, decisions are easier. Now, I didn't say easy, but easier. When my daughter Sophie was little, she would come up to me and she'd say, Daddy, do you love me or mommy more? And I would say, oh, that's easy. I love mommy way more than you. And she'd be like, what? She'd be so upset, you know. She was just a little kid at the time, you know. But I, I would tell her, no, I love your mommy way more. And she'd say, why? And i say, because one day you're gonna leave, but mommy will still be there. See how that works, right? And now my daughter is off in college. She's here today. A little Aggie's in the front row with me. But, but I'll tell you, the, the truth is, is that there's a reality here that one thing you have to remember, my wife is really good about this. And she used to have this thing uh, on, our, uh, on our house. She used to have a little plaque that said this, that remember that family just started because a boy fell in love with a girl. We need to remember that. Like we have had this compelling vision in our marriage since day one and that we are going to be in love our whole life. That we, we don't just want to be married, we want to be in love married. And, and I will tell you that I believe I'm on an adventure with this woman the rest of my life. I mean, it's so cool we get to do the stay overnight thing every single night. It's so fun. And then we travel together, we get to do stuff. I'm telling you, it's a wonderful thing, but you have to make a decision to make it a compelling vision. Does that make sense? And so I just want to challenge you, if you're not thinking of it that way, you will make things stale by your own choices. Or you can make it great by your own choices at the same time. So I want to encourage you to begin to think of it that way. Have a clear vision and then those decisions will be easier because of that clear clear vision. Our decision was that we're going to love our children, but we're going to put our marriage first. That was a clear decision we made. It was an easy decision to make. And we do love our kids, but here's what I've learned. By giving my kids a stability of a strong marriage, it gives them a foundation to stand on. They're thankful that their mom and dad love each other. Does that make sense? We need to do that for our kids. Proverbs 16, 9 says, the mind of a man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And so let God plant you in a firm foundation and say, we are gonna have a compelling vision to love one another, to to have a fun family. Now we we get to do this thing where we're like, you know what, we wanna really design our family to where it's so much fun what we're doing, our kids wanna come back. And so that's the thing. We're like, as we get a little bit older, we're like, we want to make sure that we're doing things that our kids are like, that my mom and dad got it going on. I want to go back and hang out with them and do some cool stuff with them. So we're, and we want our grandkids to be like, my grandpa and grandma, they're awesome. You know, that's what we want it to be like. And so want we'll to encourage you to get a vision like that. Mark one seventeen gives us some great, uh, a great practical step when it comes to a compelling vision for your life. This is when Jesus calls these young men that he calls his disciples to follow him. I think we forget and think the young disciples that that were following Jesus were like adult men. They weren't, they were 15 to 18 year olds. And sometimes we forget that. And God always begins a new movement in young people's hearts and minds. So young people, listen, this message is for you. Get a vision now at your age, otherwise you'll be doing the stupid things your friends are doing. Get a vision for something bigger so you don't fall into something small and stupid. Make sense? Come on, young people, let's get excited. God has big plans for you. So Jesus calls the disciples. This is what he says in Mark chapter 1, verse 17. This is an eyewitness account from Mark. Jesus called out to them, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. He walked up to them while they were fishing and they left their nets at once and followed him. A little farther up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, in a boat repairing their nets. He called them at once and they also followed him, leaving their father Zebedee and in the, in the boat with the hired men. So not only did the, the first group of young guys follow Jesus and left their fishing, but another group of guys left their dad and the family business to follow Jesus. This is really important. If you're going to embrace a great vision, you're also going to have to let go of some things. So at the same time you're embracing a compelling vision, you've got to let go of some things. Something I didn't realize until I was a young father when we first moved here to start the church. Mason was six weeks old and moved here. So the first year of the church was his first, first year of his life. And I remember uh, it was probably around year one or two that my wife one day called and she says, Hey, where are you? I said, I'm at work. She's like, I know. Why are you still at work? I was like, well, I just got stuff to do. It was like 630 at night. She was like, can you get home? I was like, well, well, yeah. And it dawned on me, she really needs me to be there. We've got small kids at home at this point. And I realized, and, and I had to make a decision. I have to let go of my time being my own. It's not my own any longer. So I'm going to embrace the fact that at five o'clock I need to get my butt home because she needs a husband and a father. Make sense? And so I realized that I can be selfish about this and be like, hey, I got work to do. And you know what? I, I, I can even justify like, I'm doing God's work. I mean, how can you get in the way of God's work? But that's no excuse, is it? It's like, no, I need to get home because the first ministry I have is to my own family. So I had to make a decision. I have to let go of time being mine and recognize instead my time is my family's. So when I embraced that, it helped us have a firm foundation to families where I got home. I also had to learn to clear my schedule during the week and most nights be at home. So I just wanna challenge you are things like that. If you want to have a compelling family, a family that you want to be in, a marriage that's exciting, you've gotta make a commitment to it and let go of some old habits. So let's just take a moment right now. Write out three things, would you do this real quick? Write out three things that you have to let go of to embrace your future. Maybe one of those is a, is a sin, something you've been doing that's hurting you. Maybe it's a habit, a relationship that's not honoring God. I, I went to one time, I went to a, a, an NBA game. Uh, I was living in the Dallas at the time in the seminary. Pastoring a small church, and, uh, and and a friend of mine said, "Hey, let's go to the game." I was like, "Yeah, let's do it." So we go to see the Rockets play the Mavs, and we're sitting there watching the game, just me and this buddy. And he's a single guy, and I was married at the time. And and uh, he says, "Hey, check her out." And I was like, "Okay, you know." And then he goes, "Hey, hey, check her out." And I finally said, "Hey, bro, I don't want to check anyone out. Okay, quit, quit, quit mentioning that." And it just it just came this moment where I had to tell him like and I was like, "Hey, um, if we're gonna hang out, you're not gonna have me looking at other women. I'm not doing that. I'm a married guy. I know you're single. You look at all the women you want, but I'm not gonna check them out with you." And I just kind of put up a boundary and say, this is not who I am. So in the same way, I want to encourage you, sometimes you have some friendships and relationships. You need to draw some lines to say, this is what I'm not going to do because of who I'm becoming. Does that make sense? So it's okay to do that. Now, he's a married man, doing great and all that. But the point is, is that you have to make a decision on some things you're going to embrace. And at the same time, some things you're going to let go. You have to make a decision. So there's some things in your life for you to have the marriage you want that you need to let go of some habits, some relationships, some things you used to do. Let's get excited because when you let go, you get to embrace God's vision. God's got better things for you. So don't be afraid to let go of some things The disciples had to literally let go of their family business to embrace becoming a disciple of Christ. You want a bigger life? You got to let go of smaller things. You want a bigger life? You got to let go of smaller things. It's important to do that. So number three, vision fosters Unity. Look at this verse in Amos chapter three. I'm sure you've been reading the book of Amos all week, but Amos 3.3 says this. Do two people walk hand in hand if they aren't going to the same place? Isn't that a great verse? So you can't have unity unless you agree to walk in the same direction. Vision fosters unity. I'm so thankful early on when God put on my heart to plant this church that my wife was willing to say, okay, this is scary but I'm going to walk this path with you. And so, yes, it's God's glory that this church has become all it's, all it's become. But I want to tell you, I'm so thankful for a woman who said, I don't know what we're doing, but I know God called you to it. And I'm willing to move to a town I don't know anybody and, and let you start knocking on doors and trying to find people and gather them in our home and have a core group and, and try to turn this into a little church. And that church has turned into what it is today. If I would not have someone walking hand in hand with me all along the way, I would not be where we are today. And so I want to tell you, you need to have that lockstep you got to walk together. You will not build something great in your life if you are not on the same page in your marriage. I just want to tell you that right now. It's such a critical thing. And so make sure you sit down and this should foster some good conversations, maybe some tough conversations. But I really believe this is important to do that. Vision can foster great unity. It brings unity in your marriage. It brings unity in your family. It also brings unity in your church and in your work life. And so a lot of times the issues you're going to have with your boss or with coworkers is that y'all aren't thinking in the same direction. You're going one direction, they're going another. The get on the same page. This is why it's so important to have the early meeting in the week, say, so like, hey, this is what we're trying to do. This is, what, this is our goal, where everyone's going in the same direction. It's incredible how much further and faster you can go when everyone's going in the same direction. So get everyone going in that, in that direction. There was a, a teacher in California that assigned a, a simple innocuous task for all her students. She said, everyone a sheet of paper, an elementary school teacher. She says, right at the top of the paper, I wish. And this is a creative writing exercise. Write down whatever you wish to happen for you, right? So she's thinking she's going to get, I wish for a bicycle. I wish I had a puppy. I wish, you know, for a great Christmas or whatever, right? And she was shocked by what she got back. It blew her mind, really. It just frightened her, but it also really saddened her. Here's some of the actual phrases students wrote, I wish. One of the students said, I wish my parents wouldn't fight all the time. Another one said, I wish my father would come back. Another one said, I wish my mother didn't have a boyfriend. And the one of the kids said, I wish I had an M1 rifle so I could shoot the people who make fun of me. Guys, kids see and hear more than you think. They're carrying our burdens. So it's important that we unburden them, unburden them by living our best life. By living a compelling life passionate, biblical vision of great things in your life. If you begin to do that, you will set your kids free. If you don't, you don't realize, you, but you may be hurting them. Can we be honest in here for a second? Some of you right now are like, pastor, I love what you're talking about, but you're talking about a marriage I've never even seen before. Then why don't you say, God, I want to have the marriage I didn't have an example of. Some of the best fathers I know are fathers say, I want to be a father that I did not have. I want to be the mother that I did not have. I'm gonna I'm gonna love my spouse like I didn't see in my home. So God can still turn things around in your life. Your past is not your future. You can break free of what was old and make something new in your life. You really can. So I just want to encourage you that God is not through with you. God is not through with your marriage. God is not through with your kids. Stay faithful to it. Foster unity. Get going in the same direction. Number four, a compelling vision overcomes obstacles. A compelling vision overcomes obstacles. It says in Habakkuk chapter two, this vision is for a future time. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. It, if it seems slow in coming, wait patiently for it It will surely take place. It will not be delayed. Can I tell you, it takes more faith to wait than to take a risk. It does. It takes way more faith to, stay, to, to hang in there and not give up. Some of me right now need to know that you need to not give up on your marriage. God's not done. God can still give you a great godly marriage. You don't have to switch out spouses for that. God wants to turn things around in the marriage you're in. Some of you are like, Pastor, I've been believing God to turn my child around. Listen, God's not through. You're just in the middle of the story right now. Please understand that God can turn your kids around. He can turn your marriage around. He can turn your life around, your health around, your finances around. Trust in the Lord. He can do it. A compelling vision will help you overcome great obstacles. There's this really powerful story, a true story of a guy named Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan was a, in the 17, he was born in 1700. He was a Puritan preacher and he was known as the Prince of Preachers. This guy was just an amazing pastor and, and uh, he preached great messages. And some of his messages became very famous actually. And uh, he attended Yale at the age of 13. This guy was really special, right? It's brilliant, uh, just studied hard, loved the Lord with all his heart, married a young girl at age 27, they fell in love. They had 11 kids together. That was a lot of kids, right? He ended up becoming the president of Princeton College. I mean, the guy was just a brilliant guy, but, but here's what he did. Every night he would go home after work. He would spend an hour with all the kids, playing games, doing things. And then at the end of the hour, he always made the point to go and pray a prayer of blessing over each of the 11 children. And doing this, this poured greatness into these kids and they began to do amazing things. So they, they, they did a study of his lineage, of his legacy, of all the children and his children's children. Here's what they found out. Jonathan's, Jonathan Edwards' legacy included 285 college graduates, 100 clergymen, 100 lawyers, 80 public office holders, 75 military officers, 65 professors, 60 doctors, 30 judges, 13 college presidents, 3 mayors, 3 governors, 3 U.S. senators, 1 dean of a medical school, 1 dean of a law school, and 1 U.S. vice president. From one family. There's another guy born around the same time named Max Jukes. Max was a mess. This guy was a derelict. He got in fights everywhere he went. He went from woman to woman. He was always in a bar brawl, always in trouble with the law. And here's what happened from his family lineage. Jukes descendants included of of the 1,200 people that were studied from his descendants, 300 died premature, 440 were physically wrecked by addiction to alcohol, 310 were homeless, 150 were convicts, 190 became prostitutes, 60 thieves and seven murderers. You have no idea the trajectory that you're sending your kids with your decisions. When you begin to say, I wanna live my life to honor God, to fulfill the calling of God in my life, to reach my full potential, to do all that God's called me to do, to live an adventurous life in the Lord, your kids will follow that. And if you don't do that, you have no idea the repercussions. It's a big deal, it really is. So I wanna challenge you to begin to ask this question, am I living from a compelling vision or am I living, living from laziness? Am I living with a lack of focus, with a lack of drive? Because this really can change every area of your life. Please understand nothing happens by accident. You don't accidentally get rich. You don't accidentally have a great marriage. You don't accidentally have great kids. You don't accidentally have financial security. You don't accidentally have happiness. You make a decision and say, I'm going to come hell or high wire, focus on this. I'm going to do what God's called me to do. And I'm going to see the results of God because I know that if I'm faithful to him, he'll be faithful to me. You've got to make a decision. A compelling vision overcomes obstacles. And the last thing a compelling vision does is that motivates everyone towards action. Proverbs 26 says this, don't be lazy and keep saying there's a lion outside. What does that mean? Don't, don't keep giving excuses. Well, COVID, well, the economy's bad. Or, I'm just depressed. And we just have fancy words we like to throw out to give ourselves excuses, to not do anything. Quit giving yourself excuses. This is not a dress rehearsal. This is your life, this is it. If you don't make it big and make it exciting, that's not gonna be on you. So we have to make a decision to say, I wanna live the larger life that God has for me. My son Mason, when he was 18, came to me and said, hey dad, I'm turning 18 in a month here. He said, "Um, I wanna flip a house with you. Can we go in together and and, and, and flip a house? And I was like, wow, Mason, uh, yeah, I think we could do that. He had watched his mom and I flip several homes. And so he actually thinks it's normal to flip a house at 18. I was like, people don't really do that, but I think this is great you think it's normal because he saw me do it. And so he thought that's just what we do. That's what Cornelius's do. We just have real estate, right? And so it, it kind of reminded me of my father that my father began to tithe when his parents didn't tithe. And so I think it's normal. My sister and I both just think it's normal to give 10% of your money to God. We just think that's just what you do. And so he had to overcome this master step of faith to do it. But because he did, we think it's normal. And, and my kids think it's normal to tie. They think it's normal to have real estate and investments. Why? Because they watch their parents do it. See, what you, choose or, what you choose to do or choose not to do becomes your kid's normal. Is it your kid's normal to honor their spouse? Is it normal for your kids to speak bad of each other or to speak positive? Is it normal to honor God and be in church or is it normal to skip church? Is it normal to put, put others before yourself or is it normal to be selfish? Is it normal to be a person of prayer and go to God with your concerns or is it normal to worry? What's your normal? Because it will become your kid's normal. The decisions you make make that kind of a difference. But if you live a compelling, vision-driven life that God has given you, it will light your kids on fire for the Lord. They'll want to do great things and do big things for God. I want to encourage you to begin to do those kinds of things. Guys, what I'm trying to say is it's time to doubt your doubts. We, We get so discouraged and we're so doubtful. I don't know if I can do that. I'm just not sure. I think you can do it. God says you can do it. God says you have more in you. Begin to believe God. Begin to believe his word, you can do more than you realize. There was a man dying on his deathbed. He knew he only had a few days left to live at most. He kept coming in and out of consciousness. One particular time he went out of consciousness, he came back and he woke up and he looked up and he noticed all these people standing around his bed, looking at him and they were staring down at him and he said, Oh, you must see my friends from years past that have come to say goodbye to me. And you heard one of the voices say, no, we're not your friends. We're your dreams. We're your aspirations, we are your ambitions. We've come to die with you. Don't die with your dreams still in you. Live those dreams out while you still have breath. Use the life God gave you to do big things. And if you'll do this, you will find great fulfillment in knowing you're seeking the Lord. You're honoring him and he will bless you for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. God says, I know I got good plans for you. And the last thing I want to say is this. What's our mission statement as a church? What is it? Our mission is to do what? To take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. You know, our goal as a church is to reach a million souls. Someone, someone just the other asked me, where are we at on that number? And you know, I did the math. We're about 350,000 people in that have received Christ. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says, there's an opportune time to do things. Guys, I want to challenge you. There's an opportune time this week. I believe October, this October could be our greatest outreach month of the entire year. It normally is. Did you know October for some reason is normally a height time for us? People are thinking about church. People are open to spiritual things for some reason this month. And this series we're starting next week is called What to Do When You're Going Through Hell. A lot of people are going through a lot right now. If you have a friend or a family member, maybe a coworker, or a neighbor, someone you know that they could really use this, would you bring them? Would you just commit with me? I'm gonna commit to bringing my friends and my family to be at church this week to learn how they can get through what they're going through. I wanna challenge you to be here for that. Let's do our job. Let's reach out to our community. Let's have a compelling vision to change our city for Christ. We have a compelling vision to win a million souls for Jesus Christ. That is our compelling vision as a church. We're all about that. Even if you're online with us, you can invite someone to join to watch with you online. That's fine. They don't have to live anywhere near you. Say, I'm going to go online at the same time you do and we can text back and forth about the message as we're listening to it. I want to encourage you to do that. It's a powerful thing to do, but let's have a compelling vision of reaching more people for Christ and bringing someone with us this week. Would you do me a favor right now and bow your heads? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Is God speaking to you today? Is it time for you to take an honest look in the mirror and say, am I just coasting through life or am I living off a compelling vision? Am I going for the larger things that God's put on my heart? I'm not here to find that for you, God will tell you. God will tell you what that is, but I believe he's already spoken in your hearts and your lives about dreams, ambitions he put in you that he wants to fulfill. God does not give you dreams to frustrate you. He gives them so you can see that he's the God of your dreams. And while you're going for your dreams, God's developing you. So with your head bowed and your eyes closed, maybe it's time to say, God, I wanna to begin to shoot for bigger things again in my marriage. I wanna begin to dream a new dream for my family, that we can have a compelling vision to honor you, to follow you, to to make life an adventure as a family, as a couple, as a parent. You can do that today. Say, God, I don't wanna live the conventional life. That sounds boring. I wanna do your will. I wanna make an impact and make a difference. I wanna live bigger in my career, in my education, in my marriage, in my health and live bigger. Get a compelling vision today. Through your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you've never given your life to Christ, nothing will change you more than Jesus Christ himself. You can receive him right now by praying a very simple prayer. We're gonna pray together across all of our campuses. Just pray this prayer with us online as well. You can just say this, just say, Dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for my sin and I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart, be my Lord and be my savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. If your head bowed and your eyes closed, if Christ has just come in your life, if you just prayed that prayer, would you lift your hand high? No one's looking around. Just lift your hand high if you just gave your life to Christ. Just hold your hand high. Thank you. Their hands going up all across our churches right now. Hold your hand high. Thank you, Portland. We see your hands. Praise God. Thank you, Rockport. Hold your hand high. Thank you, Rockport Fulton. Come on, hold on hand high. Thank you, Padre Island. Praise God. Hold that hand high all the way to the back there at Rodfield. Praise God. We see your hands there at Stone Oak. Hold your hand high. We praise God for the decision you made to give your life to Christ. Right here at Broadcast, we see your hands all across the auditorium. People giving their life to Christ. Praise God. You came here to see someone else get baptized, and now you've given your life to Christ. Praise God. Isn't that wonderful how that works? Praise God. Praise God. Maybe even after this service, you may stay around, change clothes real quick. we got a change of clothes for you, and get baptized. Praise God. Just, just I'm going to follow through in baptism right now. Praise God. Praise God you're online with us right now. You just gave your life to Christ. You can let us know by checking the box. It says by clicking today, I gave my life to Christ. I raised my hand or just put it in the text. Just text my hands raised. Father, thank you for the decisions so many people made today to give their life to Christ. Thank you, God, that, that when we live for you, you give us a compelling vision of great things in our lives. Father, thank you that you have good plans for us to prosper,